Welcome to this episode of the Business of Practice podcast, where we focus on the physical, financial, and human sides of equine veterinary medicine. In this episode, we are talking about creating healthier practice spaces with Heather Lewis, who is certified by the American Institute of Architects and the National Council of Architectural Registration Boards. I'm your host, Kim Brown, editor of Equimanagement. The Business of Practice podcast is brought to you by Decker Veterinary Products. Heather is a principal of Animal Arts Architecture Firm that works globally in the animal industry. Animal Arts designs small general practice veterinary hospitals, expansive specialty emergency practices, and equine and large animal hospitals. The experts at Animal Arts believe that just as the environment influences animal wellness, that environment also impacts how you, your staff, and your clients feel and perform. Thank you, Heather, for joining us today to talk about creating healthier practice spaces. I'm so happy to be here, Kim. Thanks for the opportunity. Well, I want to start with a quote from you from one of the articles you wrote for Echo Management 2020. You said, I challenge myself and the veterinarians with whom I work to consider the changes to practice in 2020 that might be a benefit to future business. Equine veterinary practices innovating in ways that reduce the cost of physical facilities and improve the quality of care. That is the opportunity we have been afforded in this year of change. So with those optimistic words, Heather, what have we learned about vet practice spaces from the pandemic experience? Thank you, Kim. What a great conversation to have. And, you know, change is hard. None of us like change. And we have had to do a lot of change this year. Equine veterinarians have had to change the way they do practice, the way they operate, how their staff move through the building what horses are on site, whether they're doing telemedicine, but not all of these changes are bad. So today we're gonna focus on some of the good ones that have come out of the pandemic. And I'm going to start with, because this topic is related to healthy spaces, I'm gonna start with the epiphany about indoor-outdoor. So veterinarians, equine veterinarians in particular, have been working in the rain and the wind and the outside environments for since the beginning of time, right? <laughs> One of the great things about a referral hospital or a hauling clinic or any roof over your head is it's a roof over your head. But putting a roof over the head doesn't actually always make things better because then you have an indoor environment that you have to condition and you have to do it in a healthy way. So as the COVID-19 pandemic hit us, you know, we're not used to dealing with health concepts that relate to people. Where we in, in our business, we're focused on the horse. So all of a sudden we're forced to think about people. And you can kind of see how this started in the you know, layperson's mind that we can eat outside at a restaurant, but we can't eat inside because the outside environment is going to be healthier than the inside environment. And as the weather's gotten cooler, outdoor dining has gotten rather strange because you can see all these restaurants trying to create these healthy outdoor spaces, but also bubble them so people can stay warm. <laughs> but basically that's what we're talking about here is how can we put a roof over our heads to keep us out of the rain and the wind, but at the same time, keep us safer. And this is where we get to the beauty of the indoor-outdoor environment. 
And this is a great tool for equine veterinarians to use. And what better time to use it than this year when we know that the outside is a safe and better place to be. So I guess I'll start with a few design tips of how we can incorporate this moving forward. The first would be to design your, your treatment spaces, your, your triage spaces, your examination spaces to actually face a useful direction. And what I mean by that is not facing towards the north or the west where the winds and the weather is most likely to arrive. And maybe we can face these towards the south instead with doors that open up. And if you're in a hot climate, maybe if you face south, you also have an overhang that keeps the hot, hot sun from coming into your building. But south is a really good direction because it usually um, is out of the worst of the winter winds for much of the temperate part of the US. And we can also use overhangs to keep the inside from getting too hot. So once we face the treatment area or exam area into a useful direction, we could have big roll-up doors that just roll up in certain uh, pleasant times of the year, which is a lot of the shoulder seasons throughout the temperate United States. Equine veterinarians are used to working with less environmental control, i.e. it's not going to be 70 degrees all the time when you're doing your job. <laughs> so if it's uh, 62 and you got a jacket on or it's 82 and you got a cool shirt on, you can do, still do your work in that space. But being able to open that space to the outside is like free environmental air conditioning in ventilation. And I really want to focus for the moment on the term ventilation. The reason that indoor environments aren't always healthy is that they're not always properly ventilated, which means that they may not have enough fresh outdoor air. So these indoor and outdoor environments where we can just let the air flow in is going to give us that ventilation naturally and give us that fresh outdoor air. We can then take this concept into barn design, which actually has been a long-standing practice in equine design, but sometimes we forget about it. We forget we design these barns to be too enclosed and they don't naturally ventilate. Right, but a naturally ventilated barn is actually a pretty easy thing to do and there's long traditions of construction throughout the United States, indigenous construction practices that tell us how to do this. One good modern reference actually is the Ontario um, Veterinary Medical Association. They have some really good literature about designing barns for natural ventilation and also designing equine facilities. So sometimes you can reference those types of uh, you know, provincial or state guidelines. But we can design with barns with natural ventilation. This is another one of these indoor-outdoor concepts. And the concept here is that we have enough outside openings on the barn, and then we provide an opening at the top. And we get something called stack ventilation where the air naturally rises in the space and goes out the top. And then that creates good airflow in the space. Good airflow in the space is necessary for the horses, 
um, to prevent the buildup of ammonia or other air quality concerns that might develop, but it's also necessary for the people. And this year we've learned that. <laughs> and so I think using these indoor outdoor environments is a huge thing that we can do to reduce the cost of our facilities and to practice in healthier spaces. In your medical area, if you want to supplement this uh, roll-up door idea to make it more all-weather, you can install an exhaust fan in that space to pull air through it in the wintertime, for example, and then install radiant heaters at the top, just like they do at the restaurants. I'm going to take us back to the restaurant for a moment. So these restaurants have gotten kind of strange in the wintertime because people are still trying to eat outside, but they're eating outside with radiant heaters. So we can do the same thing in these indoor outdoor treatment and exam spaces where we provide some radiant heating, which is a comfortable type of heating, and then provide some exhaust so you can close those doors in the winter and still get airflow through the space. In fact, you could probably do the same thing in the in the summertime in a dry climate by providing a little evaporative cooling to the space. But again, you've got to exhaust some air to keep it fresh and healthy. In hot climates, you can also use things like rotating ceiling fans to move the air and make it feel more comfortable when it's hot and humid. So I'm a big fan of us thinking about the roof of our heads, but a roof that doesn't have to uh, keep the air stale and access to the, the fresh outdoor spaces so that we can all maintain our health and well-being and our horses can as well. Horses actually benefit a lot from indoor outdoor environments because they don't enjoy going into spaces that feel too foreign to them. Um, they, they can often be fearful when going into a medical facility that feels really different and really foreign, but stepping up under a roof overhang is not an unusual thing for any one of our horses to do. It's something they do all the time in their day-to-day -day life, and it can create a nice natural environment for them. We should also keep in mind that over-conditioning indoor spaces is actually not healthy for horses. Um, for example, if you overcool a horse in a over-air-conditioned indoor environment and then take them out into the hot sun, it can create some physiological distress. So I'm a huge fan of us talking together in our industry about how we can improve these spaces to make them a little bit more natural, a little bit more access to the outside. And with um, with some of the things that you've said, I know we're not we're not really going to discuss this today, but I believe you're one of the few fear-free licensed architects as far as veterinary medicine. I love Fear Free. It's such a good movement for our industry in general. And really, whether or not you're on the bandwagon talking about fear, anxiety, and stress for animals in veterinary care can only make things better. <laughs> and, and really what we've learned from it is that it's a, um, it's a business. It's a good business decision as well. You know, for example, if we take ourselves back to the horse, if you're not inciting fear in the horse, then you don't have to manage the behavioral issues that result from that fear. And horses can be quite fearful. So that's partially why I like natural environments is because they're kind of um, really help with our goal of reducing stress, anxiety, and, and that fear.
Well, I just I had to put that in because I've been so fascinated by it. And fear free is not just a statement. It is a, a, an actual process that has to be done. So um, maybe we'll get into that in, a, in another podcast. I would so, love to talk about that at some point. Yeah, sure. And I think it supports the idea of these healthy spaces. Yeah. OK, and let's let's kind of shift a little bit to indoor environments because a lot of facilities are built. They may have some things that they can adjust to some of the ways that you mentioned before, but there's also some things that uh, maybe you could recommend for the indoor environments for the people and the animals. Uh, you had mentioned, for example, before when we were talking about touch-free faucets and just some of the innovations that have come about. So what what's out there and available? Right. So I'm going to start with um, airflow and we're going to keep going on airflow for a moment and air quality. And then I'm going to segue into that discussion about hand washing and hand hygiene, which relates more to fomite transmission. So COVID-19 obviously is a aerosolized and um, respiratory uh, illness. And that's been the issue. And, and it's quite unusual for us to deal with that in our facilities because usually the thing we're most concerned about in healthcare facilities, and equine healthcare would be no exception, day to day is um, you know dirty hands, uh, fomites, dirty objects, you know, dirty surfaces, that kind of stuff. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But this year we've all of a sudden shifted our focus because of the human health issue to um, to airborne uh, concerns and also to the health of the actual environment. So you're right. Uh, I've talked about these lovely indoor outdoor environments and I have some great thoughts about how we can continue to massage those, manage those and so on. But a lot of people have facilities that they have and they may not be healthy uh, facilities to be in for yourself, your staff or for your horses. So when we talk about what we've learned from COVID-19 and from you know this year of change, really what we've learned is that healthy environments matter. They matter to all of us. They matter to our patients, but they matter to we people as well. And so let's talk about what to do. When we have office spaces, actually, it sounds very old fashioned, but one of the things we can do with office spaces is simply open a window. And I mean, it's not exactly groundbreaking. But getting some fresh air flowing into that office space can tremendously help. And it's a tiny investment compared to replacing an air handling system. So a lot of times, um, you know, people would say, well, we can we can have a meeting with the door open to our conference room or we can, you know, we're using these sort of tools to keep ourselves safe and we can use those tools longer term. So we have designed some facilities that are actually allowing that sort of natural airflow through the space, which will make your mechanical engineer crazy. Trust me about that. But I think there are ways of designing the engineering around the idea of some additional natural airflow. But if you've got an old facility that's not well ventilated, just go ahead and, uh, and install some operable windows in those offices to keep you healthier. Uh, and then, you know, the same thing in, in your laboratory and pharmacy spaces and other sort of people spaces in that environment is, you know, see what you can do to get some natural air coming in the space. 
Another thing we can do with indoor environments, and this is also incredibly elemental, incredibly elemental, is simply maintain the systems. I can't tell you how many veterinarians get so hung up in their day-to-day -day lives and running their business. And trust me, I understand. I mean, sometimes the uh, the cobbler's kids have no shoes and I, I don't like to work on my own house, you know, maintenance or anything like that, even though I do architecture as a living. I, and, and, you know, when you're at your business, you don't like to uh, distract yourself with things that aren't related to the bottom line. So if you're like a lot of veterinary practices, you probably have some clogged filters and some air conditioning systems that could desperately use some maintenance. There's a lot of good reasons to do this maintenance. And one of the reasons obviously is your own health and the health of your patients. But the other reason is that it saves money. So there's this, um, there's this professional and they're called a commissioning agent. And a commissioning agent is a person who operates between the mechanical engineer who designs the system and the building operator who uses the system. In between those two is a gulf. And sure, the contractor is going to install it, right? And, and ideally, he or she is going to get it working properly, but there's very little assurance that that indeed happens. So there's this field of people who basically can tune up a mechanical system for you and they can do it when the building is first being built. Uh, so commissioning agents are very useful for getting the building operating properly, but they can also come in when a building has been in use, say for 10 years and retune it. And having your system recommissioned, um, I read some stats saying something like 10% uh, savings and operational costs for the mechanical system. So essentially this kind of service pays for itself very quickly. Decra Veterinary Products is proud to sponsor Equimanagement's The Business of Practice podcast. Decra's equine product line includes Osphos, Clotronate Injection, Orthocon Vet IREP 10 and 60, Osteocon PRP, Equidone Gel, Thumperidone, the Vetivex line of parenteral fluids, Phycox EQ Joint Supplement, and a comprehensive line of topical dermatologic products. The recent addition of Zymeta, Diaperone Injection, further expands Decra's equine offerings. For more information about Decra's products, please visit decra-us.com. If you have a really simple or really old system and you can't imagine hiring an actual professional to help you do it, then there's some really easy things you can do, which are changing your filters, making sure they're actually changed, making sure that the right filter is actually in the system. Um, and you can also get your duct work cleaned and ensure everything is actually operating. I can't tell you how many practices I go in where the exhaust fan has broken and it probably broke in like, you know, year one and nobody ever fixed it. So it's never worked properly this whole time. And we just put up with it, right? It, it becomes like that car that's got a cork and, but you can still drive it. And, you know, the cork might drive someone else crazy, but it doesn't drive you crazy because you're used to it. Anyway, get everything working, maintain it properly. You're going to save money 
and you're going to be healthier. It's just that simple. Along with that, uh, some other things, some other tips for indoor environments are the right amount of filtration. So filters are rated with these uh, a rating system called a MERV, which I honestly have no idea what that stands for. So it's probably some mechanical engineer who's going to listen to this podcast and say, I know what that stands for. You should have asked me to talk. Anyway, a MERV filter uh, is a rated filter and we want a certain kind of rating on that filter. For COVID-19 and anything respiratory, we are recommending a MERV 13 filter. What's installed in your practice is probably lower than that. It's probably a MERV 11 or maybe lower. And so if we just bump up the filtration on the airflow that's flowing through our spaces, we can catch a lot of particles and a lot of debris in the airstream and maintain a healthier environment. So that's another really key point is if you can bump up your filtration to MERV 13, uh, it's going to help quite a bit. You might have heard of HEPA filtration and HEPA filtration is an even higher rating, but I don't recommend installing a whole bunch of HEPA filters uh, for lots of reasons. One of them is that the HEPA filter is such a good filter that you have to push the air through that filter with more power. And your mechanical system, unless it's pre-designed for that, will not have the ability to push that air through the filter. So you'll end up doing a worse thing for yourself in that you'll end up slowing down the airflow. So those are some good tips. And I guess the last thing we can talk about in regard to airflow might be air treatment. And everybody has jumped on the bandwagon of air treatment this year. But let's talk about air treatment for a moment. There is an unbelievable amount of very suspect information out there regarding air treatment and also very suspect technologies regarding air treatment. Don't buy something off Amazon that promises things that are not backed up by any scientific studies. <laughs> and, and I know as an equine veterinary, you probably wouldn't. Um, but if you're going to buy an air treatment system, we recommend using systems that actually have some really good science behind them. And there's only actually one company that's been tested for our industry, our meaning animal health. And that company is called Pet Therapy. And they design a variety of air treatment systems that can be basically plugged into your space in various ways. They can either be integrated into the mechanical system, but that's best done when the design is actually occurring, or after the fact, they can be integrated into your space. One of the systems that works the very best is called an upper air treatment system. And this system works uh, with three different technologies. One of them is UV. So again, I'm gonna talk about things that are super bogus and UV can be super bogus because you have to get the right amount of UV 
to zap that airstream to actually clean it. And so not all UV light is created equal, but this particular technology has a really good UV light um, as part of it. And then some filtration, and then differential ionization, which is a technology that I don't quite understand. I do have a degree in chemistry, but it has been many, many years since I really dealt with things like ionization. But the ionization helps clean the air as well. So between those three different um, systems, filtration, UV, and differential ionization, you get the air treatment. And so the good thing is that for about $3,500, you can buy a unit that goes into a room, um, such as an exam room, or you might have to use uh, two units or a bigger unit for a very large treatment space because equine spaces tend to be large. But you can purchase these for your animal spaces and um, use them and they will really, really help with the air quality. So we do recommend air treatment as a, as a last resort after you've done the other easy things, such as making sure you're getting proper ventilation and um, you know maintaining your mechanical system. Again, air treatment is going to be so much less money than redoing your mechanical system that it's a pretty good option add-on. We also have little air treatment systems. Again, you wanna get one that is well supported by science and not just something that you buy online. Uh, some small units that can be utilized inside your office spaces and your pharmacy, central supply, areas like that where people might be working just to keep those spaces healthier. You don't have to buy one of those from a um, designer of these systems that does animal care. You can use one that's utilized in human health care. So the last time I was at the doctor's office, um, which many of us have not gone to the doctor in a long time because of all of the fun things that are happening right now. But the last time I was at the doctor's office, I took note of the type and brand that the, <laughs> the large hospital group was using. And um, if you use one that are utilized in human healthcare, it can be good for animal healthcare as well. So those are some great tips for easy things we can do for air quality. Great tips from, you know, whether you're you're thinking of construction this year and you get think about this and have it involved as you're building or if you have an existing structure to try in whether it's an outdoor space indoor outdoor or just something inside that that already exists so that's some great tips on that so um we talked about some other things for your indoor environments you had some fun tips of things that have come about PPP, PPE stations, for example. I mean, not something we have thought about in years past unless you had a surgery in your facility. So what are some of those? Yeah, this is great. So I think we have given ourselves the opportunity to rethink biological risk management and biosecurity in our equine facilities because, we, because it's top of mind right now for us. And, and what a great opportunity I mean, what a great opportunity that we have to create better spaces for horses, you know, long term. I think all of us would love to just kiss the global pandemic goodbye. Uh, I know that I would like to do that. And yet the things that we've learned 
are going to be so applicable to our equine healthcare spaces in the future and will help us if we ever are dealing with our own health issues again as well. So um, let's start, let's talk about hand hygiene for a moment. This is something that has also evolved a lot with the last year of change, as I'm calling it, is that people have maybe finally learned that hand washing is important. <laughs> <laughs> the general public is actually washing their hands, which is pretty awesome, actually. If you think about silver linings that come out of uh, what we've all gone through. And, you know, veterinarians uh, and all of the technicians, veterinary nurses, um, and other people working in our spaces really ought to be washing their hands, too because this is a healthcare space and we have to keep the horses safe and we should probably keep our, each other safe as well to reduce absenteeism from work. So hand hygiene is critical. I will say that I am very, very old fashioned and I like hand sinks. <laughs> hand sinks are really, really important. And the reason that hand sinks are important actually is twofold. One is hand sinks reduce um, soiling on your hands. So when you put, if you say put some sanitizer on your hands, but your hands are filthy, that sanitizer isn't going to work very well. You know, basically the soiling can deactivate sanitizers and disinfectants pretty easily because the sanitizer disinfectants trying to attack what's on your hands. So you can remove soiling with the sink and essentially just get clean hands. The other thing you can do with a sink is reduce the likelihood of spreading a non-envelope virus. So we've been really lucky with COVID-19 that it has this envelope around it, this lipid membrane. And the lipid membrane protects that virus and, and yet it's, it's wonderful because we can kill it by attacking that liquid membrane. So we can kill it by washing our hands uh, for 20 seconds with soap. Uh, soap helps um, get rid of uh, the virus envelope. And we can also kill it with the alcohol-based san hand sanitizer. And there are pathogens that we worry about in healthcare facilities that are going to fall into that category. But non-envelope viruses don't care about your hand sanitizer. And those are some of the ones that we worry about a lot in healthcare and animal healthcare. So this is why hand sink is really key is because it's going to provide you with the best sanitizing. And talk about things that I'm so excited about. Okay, maybe I'm a nerd, but I love sink design. I'm maybe I've always been a little bit of a germaphobe and this has just kind of brought it to the surface. But I love sink design and because of the concern of the general public and the general pressure on manufacturers, we now have all these great options for sink design. So it used to be that having a touchless sink was automatically going to be really expensive. But what you see is that when the market drives towards something, then you get a lot more affordable products. So every one of the veterinarians who might be listening can design or replace their sinks with the touchless version, which is great because then you aren't potentially recontaminating your hands. Uh, sinks are also becoming more sanitary in that they'll have a sloped bottom on them rather than having a, you know, a deep bowl 
with flat sides. Uh, the slope bottom prevents the sink from splashing back and recontaminating your hands. So all of these things are very easy that we don't have to think about whatsoever that are going to be built into future sink design. So start looking for some of those sanitary products, you know, even even consumer products like Kohler are starting to make some of these great sinks. And the other thing is that um, we can also start thinking about what options we have if we don't have sinks. So again, I'm, I'm a fan of using sinks. I think they're great and I think that they will never replace any other um, options for certain situations. But hand sanitizer is better than nothing. <laughs> and so even if you don't have a sink or you want to have one, you can install what we're calling a, a PPE station, which provides you um, all of the tools you need to be as safe as you can doing your job. And those C PPE stations can be placed throughout your hospital where you have higher risk. So hand sanitizers, you know, even before you go into your staff break room, maybe you've got a hand sanitizer station so people are safer when they go in and eat their lunch. Um, maybe you've got a PPE station that's right outside of the equine exam or treatment room to encourage people to glove if they need to glove um, and sanitize their hands at least with hand sanitizer. And of course, personal protective equipment couldn't be more important in areas where there's a high level of risk. So when you have high risk patients such as mares and foals, you have to have very rigorous protocols with um, personal protective equipment and having a station that's set up and easy to use will ensure that your staff is going to do that. And the same thing, obviously, it goes without saying, isolation spaces have a vast array of requirements for protective equipment for uh, preventing the spread of infectious disease. But what's very fun is that, you know, I think equine veterinarians are naturally interested in systems like this. And if you apply your scientific knowledge and your, your much better knowledge about the spread of diseases, within your hospital and the points of risk and take this moment in time to analyze those potential spreads and those points of risk. You can redesign your hospital with very little effort, very little money spent putting in these PPE stations at the right spots, you know, upgrading your sinks <laughs> as much as you can. And if you need to, adding a sink in a key area that doesn't have one. So I challenge equine veterinarians to think about both the you know, respiratory, which we've been focusing on this year, but also just plain old hand hygiene, which relates a lot to fomite transmission and installing the systems now while they have fewer clients and horses in the building than maybe they had in the past so that the building can be healthier for the future. And when we were talking before we started recording the podcast, we you had mentioned a few money-saving ideas that we actually have been forced into during the pandemic that might be something to consider as, as we move forward. What, what might some of those be that have come to your attention, Heather? Well, I certainly think with the new design, thinking more about those indoor-outdoor environments is going to help us a lot reduce the cost of very expensive air handling systems. 
So those are key to future savings for facilities. Uh, I also think that coming up with some very simple to use mechanical devices, you know, are going to help us achieve better health care at lower costs. So, for example, using air treatment, I don't think air treatment should ever replace a well-designed air handling system. But if you live in Florida, for example, you don't want to bring in all of that outside air. And there's so many equine facilities in Florida. If you bring in all that outside air, you're going to be conditioning it and it's going to be so, so expensive. So Florida is a great place to use air treatments to supplement your air quality. Um, and I think that'll be a savings in the future, especially now that we have some better science around air treatment and we know what systems actually work um, and we know how to put those in place. So I'm very excited about that future because I think a lot of equine veterinarians in the Southeast have struggled with putting in healthcare quality systems because the outside air is just so difficult. You know, I mean, you pull in 100% outside air when it's like 98 degrees and 90% humidity outside and you've not done yourself a favor whatsoever. So I think those those are great money savings ideas. You know, and the other thing that I think is great about what we're learning is um, to be personally more flexible with how we work. What I mean by that is, you know, we all had to go home and work from home to some extent. And I know that veterinarians have not had that luxury because they do have to be in practice in order to do their work. But I know there are a lot of equine veterinary practices that have been doing telemedicine during this time. And if they can continue to capture interactions with their clients who do not or are not willing to haul in later then that's money that they can they can they can continue to take without the physical infrastructure of having that horse in the building so for example let's say you're dealing with a horse that has a lameness issue and your client is going to really resist hauling in every two weeks or you going out every two weeks to make a farm call to review that lameness issue if you can have almost a daily interaction with that client via telemedicine uh, with some online consultations and movement evaluations, I get it. It's not as good as being on site. But if it allows you that continued care and also that continued income, then it is a useful tool. So my husband is a human doctor and moving forward, he's going to be using a combination of telemedicine and in-care um, type tools. And I think all of us in healthcare will need to do that. The great thing, and getting back to your question, Kim, about money savings, is that if you have fewer people in the building and fewer people on the road, it costs less to operate your practice. It just does. And I think all of us, as we've been forced to be flexible, we also realize we do not have, need to have palatial offices 
we can be more flexible about how we work. We can do some charting at home. We can um, have shared office spaces for our coworkers that are coming in every now and then. We can utilize less infrastructure for ourselves, and that is going to save money as well. Well, this has been a wonderful discussion, Heather, and if somebody didn't get at least a half dozen tips out of this, I, I think they need to go back and start at the beginning and listen to the podcast <laughs> again. Because I mean, I'm even thinking about my daughter's a vet tech, and I'm even thinking about all the things that they have done and thinking, yeah, but they could do this and this, and I'm going to have, so they're going to have to listen to this podcast too, because I think it's a lot of, lot of great tips in here, and we really appreciate you taking your time to join us today and talk about this. So thank you very much. My pleasure. I love the topic of keeping environments healthy and horses healthy. And I'm excited to be able to help with that. You know, if anybody ever wants to reach out, I'm always available for a chat, especially if it's about something nerdy like sync design. <laughs> well, that's good to know. And you can uh, find the, her, you can find Heather at Animal Arts. You can just Google it. And thank you to our audience for joining us today for the Business of Practice podcast. And a big thanks to our sponsor, Decra Veterinary Products. We want to invite you to visit equimanagement.com or your favorite podcast network, such as iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher, to hear each episode of the Business of Practice. If you have any questions or suggestions, you can email me at kbrown at aimmedia.com. The Business of Practice podcast is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of Equine Network, LLC.